welcome to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. Three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you enjoy today's discussion. Let's dive right in. Hello and welcome to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. This is episode 34, and today we are talking about living guilt-free. One thing I got to say right up front, last week it was just me and Mark. This week we've switched it up a little bit. It's just me and Ajay. Mark is off handling some things that he needs to handle. So Ajay, it's just you and me. Think we can carry this? Well, we'll trust the Lord, Tim, <laughs> as always. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that answer. Um, so, like I said, our, our topic today is living guilt-free. You know, I think, I think that Christians today have some issues with guilt-free living because they, they want to look at everything. They've come up under a mixed gospel of, of works and grace, and they feel like they have to earn things. And when they can't or they fail, they feel bad, and they want to punish themselves. That guilt is just just eats people up. So, Ajay, where, where, where do you want to start tonight on this one? Yeah, Tim, you know, as you mentioned, right, you know, as Christians, you know, when we do sin or do something wrong, that we are not supposed to do, right? You know, we go in this cycle of, okay, beating ourselves up, feeling guilty. And most of us feel like, you know, feeling guilty is a noble thing, right? Yeah, how can you not feel guilty when you do something wrong, right? Then your conscience is seared. And basically, you know, you are become numb to sin. So the idea is, okay, the general uh, process that happens is, you know, when we sin, then okay, we first feel guilty, and then we feel condemned, then we beat ourselves up, and then we think, you know, it is actually the right thing, and we justly deserve to be uh, condemned. And then we go through this ritual of first going through a condemnation phase, and going through a guilty phase, and then we try to do something about it, right? If we do something, you know, we try to repair whatever we have done. If we can't do anything at all, at least we promise God, God, I will not do this thing again. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And then at that point, we feel like, yeah, you know, now I have completed the ritual. Now I can get back to life. So, But the problem with this is like immediately the next time before uh, you uh, recover from it or, you know, spend any amount of time, you know, they, you fall into the same cycle of sin, then you keep repeating this thing. So the feeling of guilt and all that, you know, that is a kind of the cycle that we go through, but it doesn't help us, right? You know, that is a regular cycle that we go through. This kind of reminds me of a saying I heard a long time ago that goes something like, if God of the universe can forgive you, but you can't forgive yourself, then you are putting yourself higher than God. Exactly. So God forgives you for something. You've got to learn how to forgive yourself for something. You've got to break that cycle because the cycle is very damaging to your psyche and your spirit and your, your mind and everything. So yeah, that's just what came to mind as you were talking about that. Yeah, that is so true, Tim. Yeah, so uh, today I think whatever we are going to talk about today, it applies to believers who actually trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on their behalf, and who were justified by faith alone, in Christ alone. So what are we going to talk about is actually for believers. You know, we should not conf 
fuse between believers and non-believers. So having said that, you know, we were talking about guilt, right? You know, the point is like, you know, uh, when we uh, sin, when we do things that we are not supposed to do, we feel guilty and we beat ourselves up. And then we try really hard, you know, not to do the same thing again the next time, but we end up doing the same thing again, right? This cycle continues. We can't help it. It's something that we, uh, we're in the flesh. We're going to keep failing. It's yeah. not, if we couldn't do it to save ourselves, we can't do it to keep ourselves in some kind of yeah. state of grace. Yeah, yeah. But having said that, I think there's a better way, right? Even on this side of heaven and even in our flesh, God made a provision not to come under the power of sin every time. And actually, you know, over a, as we walk in grace, right, you know, God also made provisions to walk in more and more victory. But that victory doesn't come by beating ourselves up. There is a better way that Lord provided for us. And we are going to talk about that today. I think first thing I want to address is, you know, why we feel guilty, why we beat ourselves up is because we do not fully realize how our uh, forgiveness is accomplished to begin with. So the first thing for us to realize is that our sins are forgiven based on the shed blood of Lord Jesus Christ and not based on what we do. It's completely based on the finished work or the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And we know that our Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood for us. And if we believe that the blood is enough, then we must rest in the fact that our sins are forgiven. So one of the reasons we go into this mode of beating ourselves up is we do not fully trust that the blood is enough. And we go in that and we still think that, you know, we have to do something more. Either we have to, you know, feel really bad or we have to make promises to God or we have to go make restitution or maybe make up with our, uh, with the people that we have offended. You know, it is nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with making up and telling sorry to people, but that does not procure our forgiveness. What procures our forgiveness is the shed blood. So what you're saying is this is a very monergistic system. We've talked about this in the past. This, Our forgiveness, our righteousness comes from Christ alone, through faith alone, and if not of ourselves. If we can keep our eyes on that, we, ha- we can keep in our mind that we didn't play a part in our salvation. We certainly aren't going to play a part in living righteously when we're in the flesh. Exactly, exactly. So I want to read a passage from Hebrews. It talks about, you know, uh, how we uh, get a clean conscience. It compares between the old covenant and the new covenant and how the old covenant could not actually cleanse our conscience, but the new covenant does that for us. So this is a little bit of a long passage, but I think it is good to read it. I'm going to read it fast and talk about a couple of scriptures that I want to focus on. Hebrews chapter 9 from verse 6 to 14. Now when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way into the holy place 
has not been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing which is a symbol for the present time accordingly both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make the worshipper perfect in conscience since they relate only to food and drinks and various washings regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation so here you see in verse 8 or actually in verse 9 which is a symbol for the present time and it says accordingly both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make the worshipper perfect in conscience uh, just note that point and then going on to the new covenant but when christ appeared as a high priest of good things to come he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this creation and not through the blood of goats and calves but through his own blood he entered the holy place once and for all having obtained eternal redemption for if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling through sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh how much more will the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to god cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living god so here we see that right you know the in the old covenant the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin and they could not really make offerer of the sacrifices guilt free you know their conscience was still guilty and no matter what how many times they offered the sacrifices their sac- their conscience was still guilty but in the new covenant the bible says right how much more the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to god cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living god so let me clarify something with you for myself you said that the sacrifice the blood sacrifices of the old testament were not sufficient for the forgiveness of sin and i would say that they were but only to that point and yes it didn't clear our conscience because we kept sinning you know after that in the old under the old covenant we you know the works covenant said you have to do this for the forgiveness of sins in your past but then you'd walk out of the temple and 5 minutes later you're in need of another sacrifice which is why i believe you didn't have to live in the temple and uh, kill something every 20 minutes but that's if that's if that blood wasn't sufficient for the forgiveness for of sins somehow that act was a foreshadowing of jesus just like you were saying there for a second coming on the cross who is his blood was sufficient for the forgiveness of our sins so uh, i wasn't sure i thought i heard you say that the old testament sacrifices weren't weren't uh, sufficient for the forgiveness of sins so they did not take away our sins like you said they only covered until the next time but they did not fully take away the sins in fact i was going to read uh, another passage that exactly uh, talks about that in hebrew chapter 10 uh, verse 1 through 4 for the law since it is only a shadow of good things to come and not the very form of things can never by the same sacrifices which they offered continually year by year make perfect those who draw near otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers having been cleansed would no longer have had the consciousness of sins but in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins year by year for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins so 
what's happening here is in fact you know the bible is saying that those sacrifices instead of taking away the sins they are a reminder of sins because it's saying okay because you have sinned you are offering this sacrifice and then it's saying you know you have to come next year again because you know when you go out you'll sin again and the sacrifices of bulls and goats they did not take away sins they only covered for a period of time and in fact the bible clearly says they are just a foreshadow of the good things to come referring to the sacrifice of our lord jesus christ okay just is something that i wasn't sure i quite heard correctly or processed correctly so thanks for that yeah yeah so i think the point we are making is the things that they did right offering of bulls and goats and you know all those rituals and the washing and the cleaning they could not take away sins they could not make uh, clear the offerers of the guilty conscience they could not cleanse the conscience so similarly you know even today when we sin we don't have the sacrifices but we have replaced with that with that with confessions we say that okay if we confess to god our sins will be forgiven okay if you do such and such and if you do a penance you will get forgiveness but none of those things will get us forgiveness and none of those things will actually clear our conscience of guilt the only thing that clears our conscience of guilt is the blood of our lord jesus christ and that blood was already shed for us so i think going back to our original point right the reason why we go into this mode of beating ourselves up and trying to do something to get forgiveness is because we do not realize that the blood of jesus christ has taken away all our sins so when we rest in the blood our conscience is cleared of guilt you know that is the first thing to realize and we need to realize that the blood of jesus is the one that cleanses us of all sin even 1 john 17 says that it's the blood of jesus you know if we walk in the light that is basically it's talking about people who are saved but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus cleanses us from all sin so the first thing to realize is like the blood is enough and it took away all our sins and our blood is continually cleansing us of our sins so we can rest in the fact that the blood took away our sins when we accept the work of our lord jesus christ on our behalf and we accept that the blood is enough to take away my sins then our conscience will immediately be cleansed of our guilt because every sin not only our past but also the sins that we have committed in the past the ones that are committing now and the ones that we will commit rest of the life they are all paid for and they are all cleansed by the blood of lord jesus christ so when we realize that that guilty conscience will be removed there's a scripture that says there are things that seem wise to a man and uh this is one of those things i think cuz when we do something wrong or we hurt somebody or we break our relation we think we break our relationship with god we feel bad and so what do you do you try you you work and try hard to do something to offset that so that yeah. you can feel better about yourself yeah. and your relationship so that seems wise to us so this is another one of those things where it's like no no yeah. with god with god we don't have to do that anymore all of our sins have been, been been forgiven and we no longer have to feel guilty we just have to keep walking in the light and let god work on us and change us 
Exactly. In fact, you know, Tim, you put it really well. You said, you know, we do something to offset what we have done. So our faith is in that thing we do to offset, and our faith is not really in the blood. So that's why we feel like, okay, until I do that thing to offset what I've done, you don't feel good about yourself. The way you put that, I like that because that clarifies some of, you know, what I was, I think I was trying to say. Thank you. But our faith is always in the blood of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In fact, the Bible also says that, you know, whenever we, again, I think going back to it, right, you know, we, once we sin, we do something wrong, you know, we feel like, you know, our relationship with, is broken with God and is angry with us. And until I do that something, I cannot approach God. But that's not how uh, the new covenant works. In fact, the Bible says clearly um, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, Therefore, brethren, since we have the confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, he has inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. So it says, you know, we have boldness and confidence to enter the presence of God, not because of the thing that I did to offset what I did, but because of the blood of Jesus. So it's very important to understand. God considers, you know, blood is enough for me to have a relationship with him. So who am I to say that blood is not enough and I have to do something more before I can go boldly to God? Yep. It's very arrogant to think that I'm, I know better than God does about myself. Moving on to the second point, it's also very related. So the second thing to realize is because of the shed blood of Jesus, God sees us as righteous continually. I think one of the reasons why we go in the mode of beating ourselves up because we think that, you know, when we sin, okay, now our status is changed. Now I'm a sinner and somehow I have to get back to the state of righteousness. So we start beating ourselves up and then we go through this ritual that we think will make us righteous again. But that is, again, that's not true at all. That's a big lie. I've been around many Christians who will come into church or Bible study or whatever, and they're all upset. And you're like, what's going on? He goes, well, I just had a bad week. I got mad at my uh, coworker and I yelled and I did, you know, and I, I got mad at my wife and I yelled and I'm just not right with God. I have, I, you know, I've been seeking forgiveness and seeking forgiveness. And I want to look at those people and say, get off that treadmill because once forgiven, forgiven for everything you did to this point, everything you're doing right now and everything you will do until the day you die, it's all done. Quit trying to, you are working yourself into uh, a state of of stress and panic and whatnot. You just, yeah. this is why these things aren't good for us and why the Lord said this part of his salvation and his uh, blood and what it covers is going to be forgiveness and, la- and, and not having to go through all of this guilt. So I'm sorry for interrupting you there. No, no, that is good. Tim, in fact, you know, the reason we do that is, you know, worldly system is that if you put someone to shame, if you make them feel guilty, they will act up the next time, right? They will behave the next time. We take the same approach towards God and we feel like, unless I beat myself up and go through that phase of, you know, guilt and condemnation and shaming myself, uh, I won't behave the next time. But there's no power in it. The more we feel guilty, the reality is the tendency to repeat the same sin actually goes higher and higher. So many people don't realize that. Yeah, so going back to the second point, um, we said, you know, God sees us continually righteous. Romans 4, 6 to 8 says, 
just as david also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom god credits righteousness apart from works blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered blessed is the man whose sin the lord will not take into account and in king james it says you know blessed is the man to whom the lord will not impute sin here the will not is a very very strong negative no never ever he will impute sin to you so if you think about it right you know god will this verse applies to us when we sin when we don't sin why would god impute sin to us or why will god take our sin into account because to begin with there is no sin so this verse applies only to those who actually sin so when we sin god is not imputing our sin to us right how awesome that is even when we sin god is not taking our sin into account but he is actually imputing righteousness to us continually that's what it says david also speaks of the man to whom god credits righteousness apart from works so what this verse is saying is even when we sin god is seeing me as righteous because of the shed blood of our lord jesus christ because our sins are removed even when we sin god sees me as righteous continually that is the second point that we need to remember we've been given a lot of good pictures biblically of this as well you know uh the new testament says he's taken our sins and discarded them from us as far as the east is from the west and yeah he chooses to remember our sins no more and of course that last verse where he where he says i will not you know he will not impute sin to us this is a picture that he says over and over and over so we, we the the bible's a physically limited size of book and so if they're going to say something over and over and over you can bet it's really important and i would yeah. say that this is a very important point yeah in fact uh, there's one more verse like uh, i remember like yeah, somewhere it says in the old testament he has taken our sins and cast them in the depths of the sea yep so the whole uh, uh, imagery here is they are never going to come back we've got to get over this image of god sitting in heaven with a clipboard noting every time we do something wrong and feeling like we've got to do something to to erase that mark from the board so yeah. to speak it's not true it he never sees your sin he he knows who you are he knows what you're going to do but he doesn't he doesn't impute it to you he tosses it as far as you know these is from the west he chooses to remember it no more in face basically it's he never sees our sin yeah exactly you know if we think we have to do something when we sin then we are basically minimizing the value of the blood we are minimizing what the lord jesus christ did for us we don't think about it we do it uh, uh, inadvertently but that's what we are doing if we say you know unless i do something god will not forgive me then we are basically saying that what lord jesus christ did for me is not enough we are basically saying the shed blood is not enough to cleanse my sins i have to add some more to what the lord jesus did mhm mhm agreed so well the final point i think in this regard is uh, again i think we are actually establishing the truths right before we talk about you know what we do when we sin we are just establishing the truth of the finished work of our lord jesus christ and how perfectly he has removed our sins so unless we understand realize and believe that lord jesus christ took away all our sins right we will constantly go in the mode of beating ourselves up and trying to do something ourselves 
when we do something wrong. And we all know this, Romans 8.1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So it is saying, you know, there is now no condemnation. Now. The key word is now, right? You know, right now as we speak, there is no condemnation. Now means, you know, when we sin, there is no condemnation for the believer. When we do something wrong, there is no condemnation. So the third point to realize is, you know, there is no condemnation for us. God is not condemning us ever, period. You know, God will never punish us for our sins. God will never send us to hell or send something bad our way because we sinned. Because the Bible says, you know, there is no condemnation. All the condemnation and judgment that we deserve, Lord Jesus Christ took. And he took upon himself. So it would be unjust for God to punish Jesus for our sins and then turn around and punish us again the second time. So that would be unjust. Well, you said what God will, you know, won't give us. If God is the giver of good and perfect gifts, condemnation doesn't sound like a good or perfect thing. And I would like to add one little point here just on the side of how we know we're forgiven. And that is the Holy Spirit couldn't dwell in us. If we weren't forgiven, that means if salvation is only good up to the moment, or excuse me, forgiveness is only good up to the moment of salvation, then we have to work and earn and, and, you know, continue to struggle and suffer. The Holy Spirit would be in and out, in and out, in and out. It would yep. be like a revolving door. And it's, that's not what ha- what's happening. The Holy Spirit has come into us, made us a new creature and made us his home. Yeah. In fact, like you said, Tim, you know, if sin is on us, Holy Spirit cannot uh, uh, dwell in us, right? Right. Because sin deserves punishment. So the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all our sin, right? You know, it for, he forgave our sins and he also cleansed us of our sins. So in God's sight, there is no sin attached to us and there's no sin upon us. And that's why, you know, Holy Spirit is able to come and dwell in us. I think we can talk about this further, like, you know, what actually happens in our salvation. But when the Bible says, you know, when we receive this forgiveness of sins, right, the Holy Spirit comes and cleanses our heart. So we receive a new heart and we receive a new spirit and Christ himself comes to dwell in us. You know, now we are really made a new creation, right? It's not just a, a make-believe kind of thing. It's not just, you know, in God's eyes, we are somehow clean, but we are not really clean. But what really happened is uh, we still have the old bodies and the old tendencies and old flesh and memories, but on the inside, we have a new spirit. And on the inside, we have a new heart. So there's a real change on the inside. That's why the Bible calls us, you know, we are a new creation. We can talk about that uh, later, but, you know, but I just wanted to mention that, you know, the order of things is Lord Jesus Christ took away our sins and cleansed us of our sins. And then when we believe in the work of Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us and we are born again of the Spirit and God gives us a new heart and a new spirit and even a new mind. The Bible says, you know, we have the mind of Christ. Yep. It can't be completely cleaned and given a new heart and a new spirit and a new mind and not, and not, it'll show. You're not going to do works to show it. It's just going to come out of you because that's who you are now. Well, I think now the question is, many of us ask, right, you know, what do we do as a believer when we sin? And uh, most of us go to 1 John 1, 9, uh, and they say, you know, yeah, if I sin, I confess, right? When I confess my sin, I get forgiveness. You know, that's the ritual they go through. 
But the danger of this is, you know, first of all, it is not in the light of all the scriptures we saw. You know, that does not apply to believers. And second of all, you know, if you say that when I sin, I confess and get forgiveness, then where is the work of Christ? Where is the blood of Jesus coming into play, right? It's all again what you do. And the second danger with that is, okay, if I sin, I confess, yeah, I know the ritual. Okay. You know, you can even pre-plan, okay, I'm going to sin at 8 p.m. and then confess at 9 p.m. So it's very easy to go in that mode. There is uh, there is no power in that uh, uh, in that theology, right? Okay, if I confess, I mean, what is a big deal about confessing, right? They're making a big deal about confessing, like who will not confess once you sin? In the heart of your hearts, you know, you already sinned. And so it's not the confession that brings our forgiveness, it's the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that procured our forgiveness. The, the One of the interpretations I've taken of that particular verse is not necessarily uh, endorsed by anyone. So take, this is Timmy's opinion. You know, take it with the chew the meat, spit out the bones. But I've always thought that uh, confession of sins is really more for yourself. It's And it's not really going, please forgive me. It's, Father, you've changed me. I'm a new creature. And when I do these things, I know they're not of you. So bring yourself out through me. It's not me saying, oh, forgive me, help me to work harder. It's me going, Lord, I see things in my life I don't like, and I think they're not of you, they're of my flesh. Please bring your, you know, please bring more of your spirit out of me so that I don't do this again. Yeah, totally, Tim. I think uh, there's nothing wrong with confessing, but confessing for the forgiveness of sins. That's what we are saying is not biblical, but simply agreeing with God, yeah, Lord, I messed up. And this is not who I am, right? You know, this is not fitting for me. You know, next time I depend on your grace not to do this again. There's nothing wrong with that, right? So obviously we will confess, you know, we're not going to deny what we said, right? If I did something wrong to you and I live in denial, uh, that's that's not what we are talking about. That's not going to do any good. But what people have done is they said, you know, your confession is what brings you forgiveness before God. So that's what we are saying. No, it's not the confession. It's the, it's the blood of Jesus that brings forgiveness. And accepting that. Yep, yep. So uh, going back to, I think, what do we do when we sin? We simply agree with God that he is imputing righteousness to me, even when I sin, right? So if God is seeing me as righteous continually, why would I see myself as not righteous, right? So that is very important to understand. When we sin, we still see ourselves as righteous. And instead of condemning myself, I agree with God that I am still righteous and see myself as righteous even in the midst of sinning. You know, it seems like counterintuitive. It seems like, okay, we are kind of saying, okay, just go sin and see yourself as righteous. You know, there's no issues there. But the real power comes from seeing ourselves as righteous. Even in the natural, right, what you see yourself as is what you behave. Your behavior always comes from how you see yourself. So when you start seeing yourself as righteous, even in the light of sinning, even in the midst of sinning, you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ because of the finished work of Christ. The power of sin will, you know, slowly, you know, just fade away, right? It will drop by the wayside 
and we will find ourselves walking more and more in victory in fact you know i can testify to that the more i confess the more i see myself as righteous the less i feel like you know coming under the bondage of sin and sometimes you know sin is not even on my mind because i am occupied so much with the righteousness of christ and you know uh, just the beauty of our lord jesus christ so we don't condemn ourselves we simply believe that we are righteous and i think maybe we have heard right in you know, a holy spirit many of us say holy spirit has come to convince us of our sin convict of our sin so what we do is like uh, the theology is when you sin you confess your sins and get forgiveness but i would say when you sin you confess your righteousness and walk in freedom very good very good that's uh that's been my experience so far and with through god's help in the blood of jesus i sometimes can actually walk in it for a few minutes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i would like yeah. to say one more thing i want to re- restate something you said at the beginning this particular podcast and the stuff that we've been discussing today is is for those who have accepted Christ who are Christians and this is all in relationship to the Christian's relationship with God especially as it uh, as it comes to sin and living this doesn't necessarily reflect our fl- lives in the flesh in the world and our relationships with people because we can still hurt people and we still have to sometimes make things up with them because it's a completely different relationship and it doesn't have to do with our sin. It really does have to do at that level with uh, with our relationships here on earth. Yeah, that's a great point, uh, Tim. In fact, you know, only when we realize our relationship is secure with God, then we are able to work on our relationship with others horizontally. Otherwise, you know, if you are, if you are preoccupied with getting forgiveness, with god you know you are hurting people left and right but you don't really do anything about it because your primary concern is getting right with god and by the time you get right with god then you are committing the next sin and you're hurting the next person so you never have time for horizontal repair of relationships so only when we are secure in our vertical relationship with god then we are confidently able to go and repair our relationships with human beings and again you know human beings are not like god with human beings you know i think it's good to go and say sorry <laughs> and good to say confess your sins you know double two times three times i think that's probably the only way people are uh, kind of persuaded okay this guy is probably you know really uh, 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 you know feeling bad for what he has done to me so there's nothing wrong with confessing to human beings and i encourage highly to go and confess if you did mess up go and tell your friend or whoever hey i did mess up you know by god's grace next time i'll try not to do that yeah just remember though they will only forgive you 7 times 70 times and that <laughs> that's it then it's done you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah well aj today has gone quickly despite the lack of mark uh it just all of a sudden i looked up and it's like wow we're almost at time so any la- any final words for this particular episode you want to th- you want to bring up yeah i would say you know for me uh the um, scripture that i that brought me to grace is uh romans 5:17 it says you know i am reading the last part you know they that receive the gift of righteousness will reign in life so uh we reign in life through the gift of righteousness 
It's very simple, right? You know, many people think, you know, how do I live a victorious life? It's right there. Reigning is victory, right? So we reign in life through the gift of righteousness. So for us as Christians, the constant struggle for us is to go under condemnation because we are constantly doing things on this side of earth that are not perfect. So there's a tendency to go under condemnation and live under and wallow in guilt, but nothing good comes out of it. So for us, just understanding that we have received the gift of righteousness and believing and owning our righteousness and constantly confessing that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That is the way to reign in life. Amen. Good, good. I would just say that it was one of the most freeing things to get off that hamster wheel of sinning, begging for forgiveness and attempting to do something to make up for it, only to just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. It's it's freeing and it's one less worry in our lives. Well, that's the episode for today, everybody. We thank you for listening. We hope that uh, if you have anything to say, you'll contact us via email and we'll talk to you again the next time. We would like to thank you for listening to The Unveiling. We hope you have enjoyed it enough to consider subscribing and sharing with others. We welcome your questions, comments, and feedback. You can reach us via email at theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com or find our Facebook page at The Unveiling Podcast. For IJ, Mark, and myself, God bless, and we will talk with you next time.